0: Hey friends and welcome back to another episode of the Millennial Crisis Podcast and do I have a bloody ripper episode for you this week. We're talking all things personal brand. I honestly believe that your personal brand is so important and such an amazing tool for you to utilize to shape and leverage your career I came across Scott Millward on LinkedIn and last year he had over a million profile views. He spoke at LinkedIn HQ and his content is an amazing combination between value-add, vulnerable and downright hilarious. In this episode, we talk about being okay with being yourself in the workplace as well as why and how to build your personal brand. Get your pen and paper out because you'll be needing to take notes on this one. Episode twenty nine: How your personal brand can shape your career. The millennial, the millennial me. This is the Millennial Crisis by Demi Cotzoris. Thank you so much, Scott, for joining me on the Millennial Crisis podcast. I'm really excited to have you on today.
1: Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on someone else's podcast rather than being the one asking the questions.
0: I start off my podcast asking everyone their name, their age, and what they do for
1: work. So, my name's Scott Millward from the UK. I'm 26 and I'm a marketing director for a global recruitment business. That's my short answer.
0: Awesome. And I found you via LinkedIn, which you've been kind of Popping off on recently in the what, in the past year. How long have you been posting on LinkedIn for?
1: About eighteen months. About eighteen months. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. The reason that I had reached out to you originally was because you put out really engaging content, and it's always it's always got purpose to it, and it adds value to people, but in a really educational and humorous way, I would say. Yeah. How would you describe the content that you create?
1: Yeah, so it's always it always has a purpose behind it, it always has like a, a meaning, a topic, something for, for people to engage in. That's not specifically because I'm like trying to change people's perceptions and change the world. It's because it's the way that works and for for people to engage with a post, it needs to have a deeper meaning and it needs to be about other people more than about yourself. I always put myself into all of my stories or posts or whatever you want to call them, because that's the the best way to build context around yourself and around what you're trying to discuss and where you want to go with things. That's what I try and and do. I think maybe that comes across as a bit more risky uh, than what other people do, uh, purely because I put more of myself into the narrative.
0: I know you're a marketing background and you Was content creation something that you wanted to do, or did you see it as a tool to, I guess, elevate your career?
1: I'd probably say both in a sense. I now work in a very heavy B2B industry, and it's very heavy, heavily based on relationship building. And one of the ways that I knew I could build relationships was through content, and through strength of personal brand, uh, which would allow me to build relationships and you know, pass over leads and win business for for my business. The the other side of it is that I wanted to build a brand purely because I wanted to build a brand. Um, I've always been heavily involved in content marketing, but more specifically over in Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat back in the day. I used to uh, own a men's fashion business, and so I spent eight nine hours a day on Instagram. So, um, I've always loved content marketing, uh, but moving over from sort of consumer-based content marketing and influencers over to LinkedIn where it's like professional services and it's um, just engaging with business leaders I've really enjoyed the challenge but the the interesting thing is is that LinkedIn is sort of three years behind the rest of social media and the people on the platform are also three years behind the rest of social media so the barrier to entry for good content is really low you know if you if you picked up the 14-year-olds who are smashing it on TikTok and put them on LinkedIn, people would be absolutely astonished at the quality of the content. Whereas you see these business leaders in their 40s and 50s who are just producing absolute, awful content. Um, I just like to sort of break down a lot of the bullshit that I see and try and have fun with it and, and just, yeah, try and educate people a bit and just, yeah, enjoy myself, really.
0: Yeah. And because uh, some of the stories that you do share, they are on the cheeky side, and also some of them yeah. are quite vulnerable as well. And I think one mm-hmm. of the big things that my listeners have a problem with is this the idea of being a professional and a person, and that thing having to be two separate categories. Yeah. I think when we're so I, in an office, it can, you know, feel like you can only be one type of ways. How has that been yeah. for you?
1: So I, I have quite a strong opinion on that. I actually believe that the line between professional and personal self is blur is blurring and is 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 happening even quicker now because of COVID where people are working from home and all these sort of things. That you shouldn't have a professional and personal self. It should really be one and the same. You know, the way that I act at work and the way that I interact with my friends, you know, it's gonna be slightly different, but my personality really should be the same. And I try and, you know, you mentioned on my content there, some of it's a bit cheeky, some of it's quite vulnerable, but that's a reflection of me and of my character. So it's it actually builds really good context around me. You know, if you read my content and then you met me, you go, oh, you're the one and the same person. And I think really that's what it should be. So, yeah, I, th- I think the line is blurring and I think people, it's very difficult to get comfortable with those things. Here, here's a really good example is that, I started talking about anxiety and mental health uh, quite heavily about a year ago. And it's not that something I'd ever talked about. I just thought it might help other people and also help myself through the process of doing that. What I did was I, you know, I talked about a problem. I then thought that I'd solve the problem by talking about it. Then I realized I actually needed to take action and make change. From that point, I started working with a life coach and and doing uh, structured things to sort of improve my mindset. And actually brought about change by talking about it now i think you have to vocalize and things that you want to talk about in order to deal with them and understand them i think that's part of the process and i think people some people feel like they can't build a personal brand they can't talk about things which might make them look vulnerable because they don't want to look a certain way but if it's being authentic to yourself i think you should do it
0: yeah, I think the idea of what you're putting out and who you are as a person is what you're going to attract more of. So, if people know you as who you are on LinkedIn and the brand you've built there, then you're only going yeah. to be getting people working with you or wanting to work with you who agree with what you're doing or who find it humorous yeah, and of course. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's an interesting thought process. Yeah, I think,
1: I think that's the interesting thing is that like um you shouldn't look at a certain person on linkedin and go oh i'm going to try and emulate that person because unless you're one and the same person you shouldn't do that you should try and be authentic to yourself whether you're funny like some people aren't funny some people have a dry sense of humor some people like talking about their family some people like talking about you know political wider ideas whatever it is you should do those things if that's genuine to you and that's really how you feel if you feel strongly about something talk about it Uh, And the people which resonate with that idea and resonate with you will be attracted to you, which long term is what you want, because you will align yourself with the people that align with you. Um, I think people were scared to sort of come out of their shell and start talking about these things. What I found was that I work in a recruitment business, so it's quite a traditional set model. Um, You know, I had people questioning what I was doing. And then three months later, I had people asking for my advice and help about how they can do it. So people will always question what you're doing, regardless if it's a good thing or not. Six months later, if you do it successfully, they'll be asking for your help. So people don't believe things that they haven't seen before, I would say. And that's not a reflection of you. It's just people are typically quite pessimistic and just accept that and go with it anyway.
0: Did you start working on your personal brand pre- working at this company or was it during you being at your current workplace that you started working on your personal brand?
1: Yeah, so it was in the first uh, three months. I'd never used my personal brand uh, on LinkedIn because I worked in a B2C environment and it wasn't, it wasn't going to benefit me in, in terms of my line of work. However, I was now selling half a million pound recruitment solutions, so you don't just transact on something like that. So it needs to be a long process of building relationships with lots of people. So I knew one of the best ways to do that was through content. Um, so I've been doing it for about eighteen months, and for two or three months it was pretty tough. You know, not a huge amount of stuff worked, and I learned a lot in the first few months. But you have to fail forward and sort of do all that sort of stuff, I and mean, people were. You know, people would become a YouTuber if they instantly had ten thousand subscribers. People would become an Instagrammer if they already had fifty thousand followers. You know, you have to start somewhere. If and if you think it's um, important enough for you, I would say to do it. But you have to start at some point.
0: In the beginning, when you were testing and trialing a lot of things, because I think, like you mentioned, the assumption is that. You, you just whack something together and post it on the internet, right? That's how content's yeah, made. Yeah. What, how did the workplace take it at that point? Had you mentioned it to them that this was something that you were going to do or did you just do it and then wait to see what they may or may not have said?
1: I just sort of went with it really. And, you know, I mentioned that I was going to more heavily be doing this, but I didn't sit and wait for their approval for everything. And um, I did get, you know, my boss and people in the business going, Scott, you posted X, really? Like... But then what we found after three days, we were getting leads coming in or we were getting positive, hugely positive reactions online and published in HR journals and recruitment magazines and all this sort of stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, maybe I was wrong and maybe you were right. You can't sit around and ask for a, ask for approval for something you've never done before because people will tell you it's a bad idea because you've never done it before. So you have to, I would say, have to begin and then just deal with the 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 worst case scenario with content is people are ambivalent towards what you say they don't really have an opinion either way that means that you haven't affected any change you haven't affected any change in opinion so you've not lost anything you've not gained anything so if it didn't work just delete it or leave it there and start again so that's the worst reaction the next worst reaction is someone really hates what you did And that's because you've come out on the wrong side of an argument, the wrong side of a topic. And that will be because you haven't done your analysis correctly. I mentioned to you before that when I write a post that I look at every type of reaction to that post and where different types of opinion could lead. I always look to divide opinion, but divide it effectively on the side of the argument that I want to land on. So if I know, here's a really contentious one that I talked about. I talked about, men want a dating function on linkedin right and then the other side of the argument was women saying they keep getting sort of harassed and approached on linkedin in really inappropriate ways right so you know there is merits that people do meet each other at work so i sort of understand the rationale i also see hello pretty lady messages uh, and just really like vulgar messages from darren and clive being really weird however i tried to sort of broach that Debate and make it fun and sort of come out. So I came out on the side of women supporting that, you know, we should sort of highlight men and women being really inappropriate on the platform. And that's the only way to sort of stop this. And then I just got a barrage of men saying, oh, you're just saying that because it's, you know, an, a popular opinion. I was like, no, I'm just saying it because that's what I believe. Right. So, and I got into a debate which I didn't hugely feel that strongly about because I'm not interested in either side really. But you know, this is where the tipping point for coming out on the correct side of of the debate is really important. So one of the best ways to explain this is, do you know uh, Colin Kaepernick, the American NFL player
0: who took a knee? Yeah.
1: So so he became like a Nike ambassador, right? And uh, they built a huge campaign around him. And after this campaign, people in like the deep South in America were burning Nike products in the street. Like it was really awful. But their sales... With their core market drastically increased, and they actually made way more money than they did the quarter before. It's because they'd done their analysis, they knew that the people which weren't fans of him would be, you know, even more against them. But they'd done their analysis, and they were happy for people that didn't resonate with their message to hate them even more. No, that's fine because they had more respect from their core audiences, which is what they want. You know, you want to divide opinion effectively. Um, And it's just a tricky thing, you know, you don't want to divide opinion for the sake of it, but you also want to have a voice and say something. So I think experience comes, plays into that. You know, you get better as you do more of it.
0: The interesting thing about the way you speak about content and the way you create things, it's almost, and this is the first time I've kind of thought about it, but it's almost like a modern day journalism, right? Like it's modern day journalism in the sense that like, instead of just sharing this like 2d article that, slaps a couple of images in it now we as a society demand more from content you know we want it Mm -hmm. to engage us we want a reason to click like we want a reason to flick to the next page what is you've spoken a bit about your process on how you create content but how long does that take and how do these ideas come into
1: fruition i think they just come from sort of day-to-day life and also engaging and looking at other content because you need to sort of be in, be inspired by other things in order to inspire yourself to new ideas right i typically i journal them i write them in notes i record voice notes i just if i have ideas i put them down right they might be terrible half thought out ideas but i'll sit and i'll review those ideas so i call it a, a brain dump as uh, so you dump your ideas onto a page and you might have a line you might have four paragraphs of a half-assed idea and then you go into it i typically have six eight ten ideas for every one post that i do and i might write three posts out of those ten and one of them gets published and that's how the quality of the content is is high it's because i'll start with ten good ideas and get one really solid post out of the back of it whereas other people have one idea and they create one post and they do it in one morning and then they'll try and do five 5 a week i try and post once to twice a week but with really high high value content the process of being creative and allowing yourself to have ideas and and accepting that half of them will be shit but that's the process
0: what is your thought on personal branding pre linkedin how would did you ever think that you would want to brand yourself or to enhance your career i know you said that you had your own business in the past. Did that teach you about the value of your network? And then you thought, let me try and do that in LinkedIn.
1: So I, as you said, I had I had my own business. So it was a, a B2C fashion business. So me as a person wasn't hugely important. It could have been if I built a big Instagram following, you know, and I was an influencer and I launched a, a product off the back of being an influencer, that would work. But it's not something I had the time to do because I was trying to grow a business, right? I left that, then started becoming a marketing consultant and just sort of started the journey of trying to get better at marketing, right? And my sort of like modus operandi has always been, I want to try and be the best marketing person I can be. In order to do that, I need to discuss ideas. I need to try things and I need to risk things and see what works and what doesn't. I don't have a huge preference towards LinkedIn. I don't have a huge preference towards Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is. The Gary Vaynerchuk thing about sort of, spending your time where the attention is that's what i believe in because that's what rationally works you know you don't spend your time where there's no attention it's not it's not logical i think building a brand if you've got a reason to do it is something you should do if it's just you want to be a good marketer if you just want to show your personality typically it's better to do it when you don't have something to sell or you don't have a clear this is what i'm selling because people see through it and the reason i've been able to build a personal brand is i don't talk about what i do typically which I think people find quite, quite difficult. But it's it's very clear about what I do. You don't need to understand that. It's quite transactional in terms of what I do. You need to understand who I am and what I believe in. That's difficult. That's what people, people, you know, communicate from the inside. They communicate what they do rather than why they do it or how they do it and why they do it. You know, the book um, start with why Simon Sinek. So it's about it's about talking from the inside out. So people say what they do, then how they do it, then why they do it. Whereas I say why I do something, then how I do it, and then what I do. So it's a, it's a reverse in terms of communication. I always connect with people more effectively because I connect emotionally rather than logically. And that's something which I found to be super, super important. And that's why sometimes I, talk, I use humour or I use vulnerability, because there are emotive topics which allow me to engage with people, because that's always the goal
0: in saying that for people who are listening and thinking, oh shit, like maybe I should just start my personal, like start a personal brand. It seems to work. Right. And I think what, what you were saying and talking about the golden circle rule, starting with why is that it's about asking, okay, like why do I want to start a personal brand? And is my time better spent somewhere else. Because I think the same principle that you've utilized to start a personal brand in, um, in the way that you have, like a bit of a cheeky kind of brand or a bit of a vulnerable brand um, in working in such a professional environment is that you've taken your idea or something that you feel strongly about and you've owned it, kind of, and you have just gone forth in doing it. And I think people in the workplace can struggle with that when they have an idea or they have a concept and their boss might tell them, no, this is the way we do it. And so they just sit quiet and then they don't see the right results.
1: This is why I really wanted to come on, you know, millennial podcast, because I think people, you know, the people listening will be the same sort of age as us and and have the same sort of rationale, right? So we're all taught to become a part of the machine, part of the business, and we all wear white shirts, and we all have, you know, brown shoes. And it's that concept of sort of fitting in in that sense, you know, I work with employers on employer brands, so like how to attract talent and, you know, how to find the cultural fit and all this bullshit, right? What that actually means, cultural fit, is people that align with your with your message, align with your purpose, right? So it's not about you know what what color, size, gender you are. It's mm-hmm. about having the same ideas of the world and having the same concept of where you're going, right? So if you're the marketing person, your HR, your whatever, you should own whatever that is that you do. And it doesn't matter that that's different to other people in your business as long as you have the same sort of like cultural fit in terms of you're trying to achieve the same goal. So you'll actually bring more value to your business by being authentically yourself because you're, you know, you're putting that out there. I had lots of questions. Why are you talking about mental health? Why are you making jokes? Why are you doing this? Why, why, why? And then I go, because that's who I am. That's who I am. Now people just accept and understand who I am within my business and within my market. Cause I've talked about myself. Whereas other people haven't done that, you know, I would say, you know, I'm sure there's people who have negative opinions of me within my business outside of my business. I'm sure people have an opinion on me in different ways, but they only have an opinion because I've allowed them to have an opinion. It's been my choice to allow them to judge. I found it quite sort of like freeing in the sense that I'm no longer sort of bound to other people's opinions of me. I'm more concerned about the opinion of myself from myself, right? So other people's opinions of me, I can't really control. That's their, their choice. If, and, and that's very freeing about the content. So if I write a post, I have zero expectations for it to do well or not to do well. I put out good work, which I believe in. And if it does well, amazing. If it doesn't, whatever, I'll learn from it and do something else. So I have zero expectations externally. And I take zero judgment externally from it as well. It's, it's purely the judgment expectations that I've got myself, which I, which I really value. Yeah, I think it's something which is very freeing when you you feel like you have a voice. If you have a job at the moment and you want to, there's lots of things you want to talk on, start talking on them because your voice is more powerful than than you know. And, you know, it's important to own your personal brand, own who you are, especially in the workplace as well, because you'll end up resenting what you do and where you work. The longer, we, we talked before this call about purpose, the longer you sort of fight against something which doesn't align with you the more unhappy you'll be so if this is an outlet for you to to talk on these things do it you know
0: for sure and I'm glad you brought up right now as well because we are in mid-pandemic and a lot of people have lost their jobs or are worried about the future of their work and so I think in talking about personal branding and a place to start I mean it's always a great place to start in particular on LinkedIn because as you mentioned before you'll see the content on there by the generations above and you'll be like I can definitely make something that stands yeah, out a course. little bit
1: the, the thing that I realise is like so our generation the generation below us you know I've got a stepbrother and sister who are 19 and 21 yeah and I'm literally the oldest most out of date like so uncool right like they just don't they grew up with instagram on their phones from when they're teenager you know yeah. i was on msn and bebo like adding emojis into my name right and that was yeah. like that's the difference in our culture now they're on tiktok they what they do digitally is so different to even what we do in five, six, seven years, different age difference. When you look at what people in their 40s, 50s, all this sort of stuff are doing, it's just terrible because they've not understood the social etiquette of what you should and shouldn't do. Um, Whereas we've sort of grown up with it and it gives you the opportunity to make a really big impression. You know, I'm sort of pushing what I'm doing at the moment because I realise that the 14 year olds on TikTok at the moment in seven eight years time when they're 21 and they're in the workplace i'm going to be the most dull boring thing ever so i need to really be interesting now because the people that are coming through are unbelievable um so yeah it's a great opportunity at the moment to you know people spend loads of time on this is how i viewed it: people spend loads of time on perfecting their instagram and making you know getting pictures of their uh of their glass of wine and pictures of their holiday and all this sort of stuff and trying to build, we all try and build personal brands on Instagram, right? If you want to give off a perception of ourselves to our friends so that they think we're really cool and we're doing really well, then we don't do it with our career. And I just don't really understand that. Whereas the thing with building a brand for your career, you can get promotion, you can build a business, you can build like relationships would benefit you. Whereas if I got a hundred likes on a, posts which are from friends or girls or whatever all i've got is oh people like me people accept me but you know what am i supposed to do with that you Mm. know there's a difference between and also on instagram there's a difference between having a trying to be an influencer and properly build it as a brand rather than just you know posting for validation of other people I typically say people less than sort of 5,000 followers aren't trying to build a brand Mm. um, and be an influencer they're just trying to sort of build an image to their friends Um, whereas why don't you just reapply that methodology to to LinkedIn then suddenly you can start progressing your career.
0: Yeah yeah that's I love the way you put that about you know because essentially you're, you're right everyone is trying to build a personal brand in some way and I know I'm just thinking about my friends at the moment and, and the way they curate images like oh which of these three photos should I upload you know it's just to us yeah. right <laughs> who, who who's which gonna is- see it or other things And and you're so right about flipping that on its head and I think people will get more actually more validation out of utilizing it in a way with a specific intention versus that intention mm-hmm. being let me get more likes and that cuz that's where the mental health stuff starts playing with people yeah. of like oh I must be turning ugly because my likes went from 200 to 150 you know or whatever people can think
1: yeah and that's one of the things which is damaging about um with in terms of mental health with social media is when people's validation is tied up in the data metrics and the likes and the shares and the comments um i wrote a post about this and said how sort of social media can negatively affect your mental health Mm. and how sort of your validation is tied up in this data um i also did a post which went really viral when i was in vegas and i made sort of a joke about how I couldn't afford to be there and does anyone have a fiver for a lap dance and all this sort of stuff and I was trying to make fun of the the point about how people go places they buy things and it was sort of like expense in your overdraft to go to Bali or Ibiza and you know Mm -hmm. taking finance on cars you can't afford and all this Mm -hmm. sort of stuff and it's all to sort of play up to the fake lives of like Instagram influencers and trying to sort of be like them right Without actually understanding what our purpose is and why we're trying to do it, so rather than play up to the fake lies of Instagram influencers, try and believe in yourself. Do something with purpose, and then you know, eventually, if you do all those things, maybe the money and the you know adulation will cut. But people want adulation and followers and all this sort of stuff because it's like social ranking, isn't it? You know, the more followers you have, the you know the better looking you are and the cooler you are when actually one you you want to be famous for doing something good right rather than you know this is you know love island all that sort of stuff comes into it but you want to put long-term work into you know people follow you because there's a reason to follow you you know you Mm. do something good um and i have followers on linkedin because my business content helps that um and i'm happy with that that's fun
0: yeah yeah it's It's true. I was speaking to someone today about this and about how, you know, it's no longer a midlife crisis. We're having quarter life crises, right? And that's because of the like abundance of information that we have out there. And we're actually not sure who we are because we're told that we can be or do all different things. And so we start to lose ourselves or we don't get to learn about who we are. And these realizations that people have, when they are in their midlife comes with yeah. all of the information they learn along the way however now we already have half of the information that they yeah. it took them 40 50 years to learn and so the biggest thing about the podcast and everything is that once you learn who you are and become confident in yourself you're able to do it all the likes don't matter as much (laughs) you know they're they're still going to affect us in different ways but it's so much more important to understand who you are and how you work now more than ever so you don't get lost in all of the overwhelm of information that we have around us
1: yeah i think like we grew up in like the most difficult generation like ever because we've gone from like videotapes and like cassettes through to like tiktok right so it's a fucking mental process. And the problem is it's like, we can't look to our parents or people older than us for advice because they don't know how to advise us. Um, like you said, people are having a quarter life crisis because so much is fucking changing every year and every like five years, you know, I, um, I had like my most successful day personally in terms of personal branding. So I gave a talk at LinkedIn about personal branding on LinkedIn. Right. So that's like the pinnacle for me for what I'm trying to do. Right. And the next day I went on holiday, went to Spain for like four days because I thought let's get drunk and get burned and, you know, maybe I'll feel better about my life and about myself, right? And I had a really bad time and sort of I had to take action about my mental health and about how I felt about myself and sort of just refocus myself. And since then I've sort of manifested some really like great things in my personal life and all these sort of things. But... You know, there's a lot of people who are doing things on the outside which seem successful and they're really not happy and I was one of those and it was just you know accepting those things um, there's a lot of people um, who are not enjoying what they're doing at the moment and in the space of six months to a year things can drastically change. Um, I wrote a post uh, just for Christmas I bought a house and the post was about how four years ago I was sofa surfing I was, I had a failing business, I was working in bars, doing random jobs that I didn't want to do and you know six months later I thought I was going to be successful from that point but I wasn't but four, four and a bit years later I'd done, I'd done okay, you know things had turned out pretty well and it was sort of accepting that process and accepting that it will take a bit longer and also it's fine not to know what you want to do so I think that's we all have sort of identity crisis I think mm. at the moment um, yeah. we don't know who we are and what our purpose is but if you're in your 20s this that's not important it's important to do things you like doing and and then you'll work it out so
0: yeah it's funny that you mention about your expectations of it being you know six months and then end up being four years and you think about it and you're like four years is not a long time but our expectations is that things need to be Instantaneous, and that's the diff. That's the real big difference between us and why the generations before never had it. Because they knew that things took time, and they knew yeah. that there was a certain pathway and process or certain checklists that got them to the next level. Whereas for us now, that ladder style has gone lateral, and there isn't yeah. a specific, you know, checkbox or there isn't a specific way to get to your destination and we see people do things instantly because that's what it seems like on socials. But um, yeah, it's, there's a lot more work in things and I think that's where the internal battle happens with millennials in particular. And that's why we have, you know, the highest rates of anxiety and stress than anyone else because of the personal pressures we put on ourselves. And that's exactly what my research has shown. The biggest thing that millennials have that they deal with day to day is the personal pressures they put on themselves and that in the morning they start off feeling okay and then throughout the day they just feel shitter and shitter because jenny's out buying a fucking house bill's got engaged you know and they're like what the fuck am i
1: doing yeah but this is you know dissatisfaction with your own life will increase by comparing yourself to other people's success which doesn't really exist you know here's a really nice example so a guy who I who used to be my personal trainer uh like four years ago, uh, he was on um Too Hot to Handle, you know, the Netflix show mm-hmm. where they're not allowed to have sex. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So he went he went on that, right? And when I knew him four years ago, he was just a PT, he was dead broke, he lived with his parents, right? And now he's like sat with his Rolex watch uh on some car and is like Rep in things and has a six pack and all this sort of stuff right and he has like a million followers now or something okay so he seems like sort of like an overnight success which he is in a way but he was like for like four years he was trying to be the cool good looking guy in order to try and get on a tv show of some kind and he achieved that and he's now got loads of followers and he has his life as an influencer mm-hmm. but that's such a You know, zero point zero zero one percent of people that do stuff like that, and also, do you really want that? You know, you look at the results of that in terms of mental health. In the UK, we have Love Island, and three people have committed suicide that have been on that show. What that says to me is that a lot of people are getting lots of fame when they don't know why they want it, but they just want attention, and then they're not they're not ready for it. They're not ready for this, and then they've got to deal with a perception of themselves which they didn't create and. You've got to be, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, That's why people trying to find purpose, you know, it gets people down because they don't feel like they have one yet. But um it comes with time, um, I would say. Um, And try not to be my friend who went on, you know, a reality TV show because, you know, he's he's a min- minority. And, yeah, don't get too sucked up and all that. because it's not real, really.
0: And I think the thing, again, that the misconception with that stuff is, you have to have an intention to want to do something like that as well. Right. If you, if you're going to go on, like, again, they seem like an overnight success, but in saying that you don't know if they've tried out four times to be on something or they've gone in wanting to be this person. And, and the, the real issue that I have at the moment with, with people that come off those things and they say, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to become an influencer. I wasn't looking to become this. I wasn't looking to come that." And it's like, no, every, yeah, when when people do something or achieve something, there has to be some kind of intention behind it, and then it it tells other people that oh, people just fall into things, things just happen for people, and it's like no, it actually doesn't work like that. Like that's my biggest hate when it comes to like how did you get that? Oh, I kind of just fell into it. I was like, oh. I, sometimes I get how it happens, but there has to be the opportunity that you want to accept in that way. You can, you don't, you know. You have to see the opportunity
1: to be able to accept it. The thing is, is people, people don't talk on that because one, they probably don't realize. And two, if they do realize they don't want to share it Mm. um, because their real aspirations might not sound as good to the market as they want to be perceived. So just take it with a pinch of salt. And I think uh, social media detox to a point is useful and make sure the content and the people you follow are actually benefiting you you know they make you feel better about yourself if you sit watching people from love island that have two million followers and work for a pretty little thing you know is it making you feel better about yourself or are you just comparing yourself to them you know oh well kylie jenner's a bit billionaire so how is that relevant to you it's yeah. not you know so just stop with that constant comparison I sort of vetted my social media and the people that I follow and the people I follow is just sort of my friends and stuff really now a few influencers who are sort of relevant to me and what I want to do but yeah try not to get too sucked up in it I know it's hard, easier said than done but
0: yeah for sure it's it's something that I speak a lot about is diversifying your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed or whatever feed to make sure that it is serving you not harming you and 67 percent of millennials when they feel stressed the thing that they automatically do is scroll the internet and if that is already in particular social media and if that's already you know you're going to get there and it's going to make you feel worse then you know it's just a snowball the, effect you
1: know this this is the fucked up thing about social media right because it's so new no one really knows the effect it has on people yeah. so tiktok Is only like a year old, 18 months old, and it's only really been popular for like three to six months. So we're consuming this stuff like a a huge rate, and we don't really understand what it is or how it affects us. Mm. One of the things that they've realized, that a scroll through a social media feed has the same effect on your brain as pulling a a lever on a gambling machine or a Mm. fruit machine. Seeing the things spin, it's the same psychological impact on your brain. So that's why it's so fucking addictive because it's like one more scroll, one more TikTok, one more Instagram post, right? So it's addictive to find the next thing which engages your brain, um, which is not a good place to be. So it's why it's so addictive and it consumes so many people.
0: It's crazy. And although we got it pretty hard having to experience both sides, like a pre-internet world and a post-internet world, I'm really concerned for the generation gen z which is like below us because it's like what is gonna happen to them like what I, is there? i just
1: i remember being in science when i was like 13 14 i'm like trying like infrared like acon songs right <laughs> and i'm not listening to my teacher <laughs> but now like 14 and 15 year olds are sat on like watching tiktok videos and like creating instagram posts why the fuck would you care about what your teacher is saying i wouldn't i would be like fuck you that's boring I'm looking at this, you know, because they're like, I don't need to remember information because I'll just Google it. I need to be able to understand how to understand information and, and use it. So the way that we teach people is, is backdated now as well. But these kids, they're just going to be consumed by this stuff. You know, if you're 15 years old and you can have a million people following your TikTok, mm-hmm. your parents can be like, what the fuck? Your teacher can be like, what the fuck? Now you'd be like, well, I don't need to go and get a job because now I'm a TikTok influencer. Yeah, and I make money that way. It's like how, how you can't comprehend that. Um, so managing the attention of young people is going to be really difficult, uh, moving forward, and just have to work out ways to police it and sort of understand it, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of systems that have to change in terms of education and the way we teach things, and this benefits of practical skills versus theory based skills. It doesn't serve mean, us anymore, yeah.
1: I've got friends who are teachers and I've been told that tutor groups and classes and year groups have WhatsApp groups. So there might be like 100 people in a WhatsApp group or 40 in a WhatsApp group. And imagine you're the person either not in that group, right? So you're not cool enough to be in the WhatsApp group or you're in that WhatsApp group and you did something and now they're making fun of you and you've got 50 people. You know, ha ha ha, I can't believe you did that, whatever, right? Imagine how horrendous that would be we never experienced that you know we had msn and facebook myspace and vivo but it wasn't like that detrimental like yeah but now that sort of stuff happens like how the fuck do you deal with that i interviewed a
0: gen z the other day and he was saying which i had never thought about that if there's like a party that you weren't invited to Now you have to watch it from every possible angle ever with like Uh, stories or Snapchat or, you know, other stuff. Like maybe we saw like an album uploaded, you know, on Facebook or whatever, but imagine like sitting at home on a Saturday night and just be like knowing that everyone is there. It's yeah. It'd be rough on them. We are getting towards the end of our chat now. And I have three questions that I ask all of my guests at the end of each episode. What was the first small step you took to get to where you are right
1: now? I would say valuing my own opinion of myself higher than the opinions of others of myself. That allowed me to do things. So I wasn't paralyzed by fear of perception anymore. So I I just do things now, a good example like i I had a post that went viral about my about my house right and uh that post got there's a state of linkedin twitter um page and basically they pick up posts which they think are all talking about themselves and it's all about look how successful i am right and that went pretty viral on twitter and it's people saying what a dick i am right um and i was like wow So I had so much positivity here and so much negativity here. And I I went for drinks with my friends at Christmas and they were like, oh, my God, Scott, have you seen this on people on Twitter talking about you like this? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, it's not my fault to manage other people's opinions. That's their opinion. And I know who I am. So I think six months, a year before that, that would have really affected me. But at the time, it just didn't. Um, so I think owning your own perception of yourself and being comfortable with that and trying to ignore other people's negative perceptions of you because you know who you are
0: that's awesome I love that and I think being able to do that can also like I'm sure that's what helps you be able to post these vulnerable posts or post these other things because you are so confident or you know or true know who you are as a person and not able to stick with that which is awesome Definitely. The next question I have is, what is your biggest millennial crisis right now? I define a millennial crisis as a privileged problem that consciously or subconsciously affects your mental health
1: and well-being. Oof. All right, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know if I have one. I maybe have lots of smaller ones now. Um, I mentioned that I've been working with a life coach since September. So what's that like? 10 months, 11 months. And what I've done with that is try and find a better sense of purpose myself, whether it's professional or personal life. You know, since then, I've, you know, I've got a puppy and got a girlfriend I'm really happy with and things like that. I never thought possible and sort of settled my life down a lot, which, you know, I wasn't really happy, you know, a year ago, but now I am. I've built a level of stability in my life. I think the sort of biggest challenge for me is to keep pushing myself, keep keep trying to be true to myself. One of the things I realized was sort of like these monetary possession type things really meant a lot less to me than I realized. I'd bought the car and the house that I wanted on the same day, right? And it was one of the flattest days I've ever had. I didn't feel any sense of validation having those things. I actually felt an immense amount of stress. And over COVID, during lockdown, you know worrying about job security and what I'm going to do next and you know what's going to happen I felt like I had a lot to lose right because suddenly I'd, I'd done okay and it was like oh am I just going to play it safe and for the rest of my career and you know what am I going to do and that was my crisis my crisis was feeling like I had something to lose and don't really cause it's, it doesn't really mean anything we have to lose is your sense of purpose and I work with a coach who challenges my thoughts and allows me to keep my sense of purpose. My sense of purpose is sort of learning more about myself and uh, being the best sort of marketing person that I can, because that's what I really enjoy doing. So that's why I, I try and strive to do every day. Um, and I try not to worry too much about negative perceptions of myself or about what I've got to lose, because that leads to stopping you taking action and doing things. You just sit and you worry. I stopped posting for three and a half months. So this is important for other people to know. I didn't post for three and a half to four months. um, because I felt like I had nothing to say. I was quite down. I was quite depressed. And about four weeks ago, I had a really good conversation with a friend of mine who has a mental health uh, business who supports execs and all this sort of stuff. And she was like, your confidence is gone. Where's it gone? And we sort of worked on it and built it back up. And I feel better than I ever have now. So allow yourself to have you know a few months where you're not feeling great because that's life isn't it but long term make sure you you just keep keep moving forward because that's what it's all about I think
0: that that's awesome and thank you for sharing that I think it's it's really important for people to know and before i ask the last question i also want to ask because i know we've spoken about not not defining yourself by the likes and all of those other things and it's something that i always preach to people and say, but I know that at times it can still really affect me, especially when you have put your heart and soul into a piece of content that you think is so valuable yeah. and then some stupid photo of, I don't know, something else or some post that it was just a flyaway comment does a lot better and you think like, oh, what the fuck's happening, you know? How did you yeah. find stepping away and then coming back and feeling the pool of socials in that moment or the
1: engagement one 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 of the things that i struggle with so linkedin you know is if you have lots of traffic to your page if you have a viral post and then you do another post it's much more likely the next post will do viral because you have residual traffic right Mm. um so you're you're sort of you're playing at a high level so you're getting more engagement on your content because you're you have lots of traffic. It's not like Instagram where you build up a following and every post will do a similar amount of engagement. LinkedIn is very based on residual traffic and also based on just the quality of the content. So if it just resonates, it will go. What I struggled with was coming off the platform and then coming back and then all this residual traffic to my page had gone because I hadn't done anything. And then starting out and having a sort of a a less engaged audience than I used to have, so I just sort of ha- I'm going through that process at the minute where I post more and I just sort of get back into it and the numbers are slowly going back up again because the residual traffic is increasing to my page. So it was, that was one of the reasons I didn't post for a while because I was like, well, if I start posting again, I'm going to get 30 likes and what's the point? And I used to get thousands of likes, but it's like accepting why that reason is and just going through it and you have to start somewhere. So yeah. I and mean, you Open this up to any, anyone who's got any questions about content or like personal branding, stuff like that. Happy to like take on any questions or like have a chat with people because, yeah, you know, I, I'm in that same situation myself at lots of different points. So, if it helps anyone who's listening, I'm more than happy to like reply to any DMs or anything like that.
0: Awesome. Amazing. Thank you. I know people really appreciate that and all of Scott's details will be in the show notes as well. The final question I have for you is what is one thing you're still curious about or want to explore?
1: You hit me with the big stuff today. I think just trying more things and just being accepting of the fact that a lot of them won't work. I'm very heavily based on, I like writing content because I'm a writer I'm starting to do more video. I have a podcast. Uh, I'm doing more graphic design, doing more things, which are more uncomfortable to me. Doing some, hopefully doing some more public speaking again this year. I think I did like three talks last year and trying to just push more of that stuff uh, and just build more success in lots of different avenues and trying them. And just, I hate the idea of being scared to do something, right? I, I, I don't really care about the outcome to the degree some people do. I hate the idea of being scared to do something. So I want to try and push myself to do that and if i achieve that if i try and do as many things as i can hopefully some of them will be successful and i think i, I have a level of success in my career because i've tried lots of things and i fucked a lot of things up so i know that the more things you try the better chance you've got of things succeeding and i think this is why taking yourself off social and stuff like that in some respect is good because then you're not you're not having to give off this perception of success you can just try things to be successful you know there's the the idea of you can go broke trying to look rich. And I think that's so much of what we do at the moment as young people. So try and take yourself out of those environments and maybe you have to sell your car, maybe you have to move back in with your parents. But if that allows you to go and pursue a passion that really means something to you, I would encourage you to do that. And myself and Udemy, I think we connect really well because we're very purpose driven people and we both resonate with that idea. So I would suggest for people to do that and to try as many things as they can, which I heard that Steve Bartler, the guy who, who um, founded uh, Social Change, the huge social media agency, space based in Manchester, where I live in the UK. He says that if something's hard and you hate it, you should quit. If something's hard and you love it, you should keep going. And I think mm. I really believe that. And um, try lots of things which are hard, which you enjoy. That's a really good, a good way to go, I think.
0: I love that. And I was going to ask if you had any advice for my listeners in the end, but I think that was was a really good note to end on yeah. but if there is anything else you want to add um feel free to add that in now
1: i can't own that quote so it's not mine but it's just something that which cut through a lot of bullshit for me there's a podcast which i suggest everyone else to listen to it's called positively selfish and the episode i'm phone to is with steve bartlett who is done amazingly well who's sort of like social media sort of god in the sense of what he's done um who talks about being selfish and about understanding who he was and how he does what he does I love the idea of being positively selfish because it's sort of it's about yourself isn't it you know and we're all taught to not to look after other people and ourselves and I always think about the idea of you know the bricks like trying to build someone else's house and it takes your bricks and then you've got no house and then you're on the street you've Mm -hmm. got to build your house in order to help other people so building your own success allows you to help more people no shame in that We talked about one thing which I changed, which helped me a lot with my mindset. So this is my challenge for everyone. I try and do sort of 20 minutes. So for the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes of my day, I don't go on my phone, which is like crazy, isn't it? I try not to go on my phone for the first 20 minutes, last 20 minutes, because if you do, it's, it's more difficult to sleep. But it's also more difficult to wake up and just accept the day like i'm not going to ask people to meditate and you know write down gratitudes and stuff because there's a big step for people to go to do that but if you just don't touch your phone like maybe try and get an alarm clock instead of use your phone for your alarm because you wake up and you're straight into your work emails you're straight into tinder because you want to see how many people have matched you you're straight into instagram and it's like you know you've had no chance to accept what's going to go on the day like go and have some breakfast, go and have a cup of coffee, go for a walk, like go and watch some TV if you want. Just don't consume all this stuff. Like I used to wake up Tinder, emails, Instagram, whatever. And I still haven't had a cup of coffee yet. And then I'm like, like I'm not in control of my mind in that morning. I'm just consumed by what's going on. So I think that's a really good piece of advice and something which, you know, I don't always get it right and i don't always do it but i always try uh, to avoid it as much as i can so, if, if yeah. you can try that let let me know if it worked for you it massively worked for me it's pretty hard like it will take a couple of days to do it but if you can i am guarantee you'll feel better about yourself and you'll probably sleep better as well
0: awesome yeah so everyone if you give that a go please let us know how you went connect with him on linkedin maybe as you're starting to build your New LinkedIn branding profiles, Uh, connect with Scott, follow him there and um, let him know how you went with this week's challenge. Thank you so much for coming on the Millennial Crest podcast. No problem. Thank you so much for
1: having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as I did. Scott was a bloody legend. And if you do this week's challenge, please let me know or let Scott know via LinkedIn. All of his links will be in the comments below so you can easily get in touch there. If you're feeling a bit stuck and lost at the moment, I encourage you to come and join our Millennial Conversation Sessions. It's just a bunch of like-minded millennials that get together to discuss specific topics. You don't have to know any answers. It's just an open and honest discussion among millennial pals. So if you want to join that, all of the information will be in the show notes as well. Thanks again for listening and I will see you next week. Bye.